0: Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. So I want to share this morning, I've had this message on my heart and it's called Positioning for Breakthrough. Positioning for Breakthrough. How many want to see breakthrough happen in their lives? I don't care how long we're serving God. It might be your first day, your first year, 30 years, 50 years. We are all looking to go to the next level, to see breakthrough in different areas in our life. I know I am, and and I'm the pastor here, so I know I can't be alone, all right? So... (laughs) So we just talked about Seek First. We came through the series about seeking first the kingdom of God in all things, and I'll tell you, that is one of my most passionate life messages is it's all about seeking first the kingdom in our job, in our careers, in our finances, that when you start to do that and you put God first in these different areas, everything falls into line. Everything falls into place. It all has to line up with the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom of movement, if we're growing in God, we can't be stuck. Do you know that? That if you're growing in God and your heart is aligned for his purposes, you really can't be stuck, right. right? You can go through seasons where you don't understand. You can go through seasons where you feel a little disillusioned. You can go through seasons where you feel like you don't know your place or you don't know your identity. But if your heart is in alignment with God, you can go through those times and not be stuck, you can go through those times and get what the Lord wanted you to get out of that time, and you're going to grow through it. That is one of the most amazing things. I don't know how people who don't know God do it when they go through hard times. You know? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> uh, I want to look at a few verses here and talk about just this whole point about growing in God. If you look at Luke 17:5, this scripture is so small, but it's so powerful. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. You know, these are the same people that had seen the 5,000 fed. They were there at the transfiguration, or at least a few of them. They had seen the woman healed who had been sick for 18 years. All of that at this point, and they're with the Lord, with him in person, they're saying, Lord, increase our faith they weren't even satisfied with what they had seen. They knew they needed more to catch up to where he was going because God is big and he's moving, right? I love that. 2 Peter 3.18 says, this is Peter talking to the church. He's saying, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Paul says in Hebrews 6 1, he says this, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That the Christian life is a journey of moving forward, it's a journey of growing and never being stuck in, a, in, in the same place. I love this too. It's about being taken forward, about moving to maturity, because God is coming back for a mature bride. Right? He's not coming back for a 12-year-old bride. He's coming back for a mature bride, and we're, we're that bride. We're the church, right? So we're to be growing. We're to be growing past little things like little offenses that want to throw us off course, things that want to hinder us. We've got to recognize when the enemy is at work. Part of maturity is growing up in discernment and knowing what God has called us to do and what he's called us to stay away from. So this is Paul saying, be taken forward to maturity. And as I was reading all these scriptures this week, I said, New Hope is a community that is committed to growing in Jesus and experiencing more of his presence in our lives. Right? We have always been committed to that here. And that's, honestly, that's just going to increase. Like, we are committed to knowing him, to see more of him in our lives, to see it impact other people. We haven't come close, I think, yet to the experiencing the presence of God that what we want, but we're, we're moving in that direction. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is such an awesome scripture, and I know this is the favorite scripture for fire starters and all this, but it is really true, right, that we need to be stirred up over the next couple weeks we're going to be stirring each other up, stirring up our faith, stirring up generosity, stirring up believing for more. You know, when you're cooking, some foods become that essence because they're stirred up. Right? The some foods you make become the desired state because you've stirred it up. And you could have all these ingredients just sitting in the bottom, right? I mean, I'm not a cook, but I know we have some here. I would like to verify with those that I trust. But I have been told, thank you, that when you stir up something like if you're, my grandmother would make risotto, and she would sit, and I would not have the patience for this. But she'd sit and stir that thing for like a half an hour, right, John? I mean, it, it it isn't doesn't become what it is until it's stirred to a certain consistency. So it's like we need to stir each other up. There's gifts in you. You have what is in you, and it needs to be stirred up so that you become the essence of who God has made you to be. It's like sitting in there. There's stuff in there. There's ingredients in your life that's sitting there, and it's waiting for you to link arms with others and to stir it up together. You know, you can kind of stir yourself up. I'm just being honest. Like when you're in the shower in the morning, you're ready, and you're praying, and you're thinking, and you're... You know, singing, if it's quiet, if it's too early, don't sing and wake up the whole house. But, I mean, whether you're driving on your way to work, you can stir yourself up in the spirit, right? And you can just be singing and praying and experience the presence of God, and it brings you to a whole different place for that day. That's stirring, stirring up, stirring our, ourselves up. Some of us are sitting around waiting when we need to be stirring up the essence of who God has created us to be. Okay? Okay? If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 16. I'm going to read this. This is a great story. Um, Talk about breakthrough. This is a breakout we're going to hear about, okay? I was reading this story. The Lord spoke to me through it this week, and there are some major things in here that we're going to break this down a little bit. We're going to look at sometimes these things happened, and these are amazing stories. And it's not just a story to read. But it's something that God did this, and he wants to do these things again. So this is Paul and Silas, okay? I'm just going to read through this, and then I'm going to come back to it. Okay, this is Paul and Silas going to Philippi, and Silas had been trained for 20 years by the 12 in Jerusalem, and now he got sent out, and he's with Paul. So they go in here, and let's read what happened. I'm not going to read the whole story, but just a little bit. So it says the crowd rose up together against them. The chief magistrates tore their robes off and they proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Now, what we know is that Paul and Silas had been followed around by a girl who was uh, under the influence of a demon. Paul turned around, cast out the demon, and then the owners lost money off of the powers that she had and they were mad and they went and told the, the city officials and they came after Paul and Silas. So said so the crowd rose up. Um, they had been beaten with rods. When they, had, um, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw Paul and Silas into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, he threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Don't harm yourself, for we're here. And he called for lights and rushed in in trembling with fear he fell before paul in silence after he brought them out he said sirs what must i do to be saved now there's more that happens there but let's break this down a little bit okay i just think it's incredible i mean we read these stories like this really happened that is incredible there was an earthquake broke open the prison doors so right before this all happened, they meet Lydia, the businesswoman, right? She gets saved in that city. She becomes the first convert in all of Europe, right? So the disciples were sent out. Paul and Silas go up there. No one had been to this region before. They meet Lydia. She gets saved. She's a business person. Uh, it's the first convert. Uh, day after day, a slave girl who has a, what they called a pythonic spirit is following them. And I love this because I think Paul kind of snaps. You know, he just like, he's like, I've had enough. She's been following me for two days. Turns around, casts out the demon. She's immediately healed. The owners are mad now because, oh, whatever she was doing, you know, divination or future telling or whatever, uh, they can't make money off of her. They're beaten with rods without a trial. So city officials come after Paul and Silas, beat them, They're severely beaten, probably with open wounds, thrown into jail without wounds being treated. They're left in there. By the way, they're beaten in these situations, naked, out in the middle of the street, humiliated, beaten brutally, thrown into jail. The jailer is told to guard them seriously. They're put in stocks, which would cause a lot of pain. I mean, it's like, I I know what it's like to, I sit at home and I watch football, and I'm like, I got to shift my body because my back's in pain, you know? I mean, I'm sitting on my couch. I feel kind of bad even saying that in light of the story. However, you know, their feet were in stocks, you know, and it's like stocks are meant to cause pain and discomfort. You spread the feet apart a little bit, and it causes, like, excruciating pain. You can't move, I mean, that sounds like the worst. I mean, being stuck on an airplane sounds sort of close, like on a long flight where you can't move, especially when you're six foot three and a half. I kind of relate with that, although I wasn't beaten before I got on the plane. Um, so, what we know is it's totally now it's totally dark. It's midnight, pitch black, probably no lights in there. And what do they do? They start to pray and they start to sing hymns to the Lord. And then the prisoners hear it too. Probably starts to stir their faith. Um, I, I just can't imagine being in that situation, and you're like, "Wow, I'd be like, if I was Silas," and this was like one of my first assignments, I'd be like, um, "Yeah, thank you, Lord. Uh, I trained for 20 years for this. Like I'd do something, like we cast out a spirit, and I end up beaten in jail and like in awful pain. I'd be in a little bit of despair. I'd be a little bit frustrated, maybe questioning the call on my life or, like, what did I get myself into? But I love it. They start to pray. They start to come up above the situation in the spirit, and they look down, and they start to say, God, we might be here for a reason. And then the suddenly happens, right? How many have had a suddenly happen in your life? You've been praying for something. You've been believing for it for a long time, and then suddenly it's there. An earthquake shakes the foundations of the jail. It says that the doors fling open. Like, that must have been incredible to be a part of. Like, wow. The men's stocks unloose too. The jailer awakes. He's going to kill himself. This says that the jailer falls down trembling before Paul. And he asks him, What must I do to be saved? You probably can't believe what's just happened. Paul and Silas, they preach Jesus to the jailer and his family in his own home. They get saved. They experience the joy of the kingdom. They experience God's presence. And then they go back to jail Like because they're like, okay, jailer, we're not going to get you in trouble. We'll go back to jail because we trust that God is going to get us out of the situation. I and mean, it's so odd. The door is flung open. They went out, let everyone to the Lord, and then went back to jail. And then the next day, we know that they get let out, and they plead with them to ask them to leave the the city because they were beaten unjustly. Having been Roman citizens, you can't be beaten without a trial, and they weren't given one, so the city officials could be in big trouble. So they're, like, begging them, please leave the city and don't get us in trouble. Now, though, there is a church in Philippi mostly populated by God-fearing women. So I look at this story, and I say, imagine Paul saying one day, years down the road, let me tell you about how I planted the church in Philippi. You know, can you imagine that? I mean, let me tell you, there's no church planning book that would tell him what he needed to do to plant this church in Philippi. He gets beaten, he gets thrown in jail, God sends an earthquake that lets everybody out, everybody gets saved, now there's a community of people that are there gathering, and you have a church in Philippi. It's the most bizarre church-planting story in history in this chapter. But I love it. It happened because they started to pray, and they started to believe, and they started to have faith, and they started to worship. So when you're in the worst situation, it's like just start to pray. Just start to you know, call out to the Lord. Just start to trust him. And he will do far beyond what you thought was possible. I mean, they probably just wanted to get out. They didn't know that they would start a church. I mean, you know, the church community would form. And now they're planting churches all over that region. So, church planting 101, get thrown in jail. (laughs) No, just kidding. So we all have stories, though. That was a story of a breakout. I mean, there was literally a breakout of jails. You want to call it a breakthrough, breakout, whatever. We all have stories of, of breakthrough. I have multiple stories. Uh, one, I, I want to share this morning just in, in my own life. I've shared it before a few years ago. The Lord said to share it this week because it would hopefully be helpful for people. Um, if you can get, If you can hear what I've come through, you know, it's like... I mean, trust me, there's hope for, for anybody. I felt so lost in this situation. So this is one of my favorite all-time stories in my life, and if anyone knows me, they've heard it before. Um, but I will, I will say this. It's a story of how God broke through in my marriage and in my life in a, in a way of where I was not able to, you know, have an intimacy even with my own wife, uh, and I felt handicapped in that situation. But I hope this will help people. But Joy and I, how many know, we got married in this church, right? Uh, not literally in this church, but we grew up together. We were in youth group together. Uh, we were serving God together, growing in God, leading here. You know, I mean, we we were experiencing the blessing of God in our lives, you know, honestly. Uh, it was great. But, it, it, you know, I'm up here leading worship. Joy is leading worship. We're, you know, going after God's call on my life. But I had this nagging thing that I couldn't shake, that I couldn't grow in. And, you know, I was raised with two brothers. You know, I have a younger sister who's 12 years older. We were always out playing ball, and we were kind of a man's man family doing stuff. I wasn't the most sensitive individual on the planet. I know that might come as a shock. Um, However, I wasn't. I've had to grow in that. And now God has blessed me with four daughters, so I have no choice but to grow in this. So God has a funny sense of humor, and I am very blessed because of that. Um, But we grew up, we got married, uh, we dated at the end of high school, got married in our late year in college, Um, and our first five to six years of marriage, it would have looked great on the outside, and we were experiencing God's blessing in our life, but we had this nagging problem, and it was that uh, we couldn't connect emotionally emotionally. Or intimately, and part of the problem was I had brought—I had a past history of addiction to pornography that I brought into my marriage in those years, uh, and then I just couldn't connect emotionally at all. And Joy would tell funny stories, like I would try, but I mean, even funny things like she'd say, uh, you know, she'd be sharing something very intimate with me and or whatever, and crying, and I would say, "Thank you, Joy, but you're getting my shirt wet." Okay, please, like I mean, literally, I was like. That insensitive sometimes. Joy, if she was here today, I wish she was here, but she uh, actually, she's in the hospital. Uh, she does end-of-life care for kids. Uh, sometimes they're sent home from the hospital. It's called palliative care. So she's home with a family right now in the end stages of a child's life. So be praying for that, because she, she has a gift to be with families in that time. But that's why she couldn't be here today. Otherwise, she would probably chime in on this story and share a whole bunch of other funny stories of my uh, lack of being able to connect, uh, but it was a real thing for me, and I was like, I would like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to bridge this gap. You know, I just feel like I'm inadequately, you know, I'm not able to do this or whatever. Um, so, you know, we had people in that time that were speaking into our lives. That we had some good kingdom confrontations, I would call it, that confronted me. And um, so we were going after God with what we knew to do, right? Sometimes you know what you're looking for, but you have no idea how to get there. Has anyone ever been in that situation? Like, you know what you want, but, I, Lord, I don't know what to do to see that happen. I have no idea. So, um, so we're praying after it. One night, for me, the suddenly happens. And we are sitting in bed talking, and the Spirit of God comes into that room. I feel the presence of God so deeply, and I think it was a spirit of repentance literally fell on me in bed. I start crying and crying and crying, and I felt the disconnect. I felt the effect of the years that she had felt from me. God supernaturally, I think, allowed me to feel it. I cried and I cried and I cried, and it was a thing of repentance for me. It was like a repentance, spirit of repentance fell on me. And if anyone knows me, I, you know I don't usually cry for hours at a time. Um, that's an understatement. I, I've never cried for hours at a time. Okay, and maybe even a few minutes would be a lot, but uh, I do occasionally. But I nothing ever like this. This was supernatural. It was such a deep thing that I felt it in my stomach. It was painful. But God did such a work in that time, and I had felt the, 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 I felt the effects of the disconnect in our life. I felt the effects of my sin, and it was something that changed me forever, and I am a different person today from that. And it was like 16, 15 years ago. Um, but it was such a miracle in my life, and so I can't express it enough. When I look back and I can remember how I felt like, God, I don't know what to do. I know what you're calling. I know, I think, what the desired end could look like. I have no idea how to get there. Um, so if there's hope for me, or if there's, ho- there's hope for you when you listen to the situation for me, because I really didn't know what to do. Um, now, I mean, you know, we've been married 20 years, I, I promise you this, you know, it is, I don't mean this to brag because I could not have done this on my own, but we have been living in a honeymoon for 15 years in our marriage. Uh, I, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is kind of like that. You're, I mean, I'm, I'm just sharing this to really try to illustrate this point. Early on in our years, like I would bring books everywhere I'd go. Like I would bring a stack of books because you know she'd want to connect. I'm like I'd rather read. I'm still an avid reader. I read a lot, but I would bring stuff where I went all the time, and we would go together. And she'd be, oh, I want to connect. I'm like I also want to read. You know, like I really like to read. So I, I just, like, had a little bit of disconnect. Now, it's like we go on places and stuff. I don't bring anything ever. I just can't wait to get out and connect. We can't wait to do date nights, to be together. It's such a different level. Um, and it's, it's a miracle. Honestly, it's a miracle. It's a breakthrough. Um, Joy and I have now, we've married many couples over the years. This has been the issue that comes up all the time in married couples. We are been privileged to be able to walk a lot of couples through these same challenges I never imagined in a million years I'd be helping another man or another couple through this stuff when when I think of what the frustration we had dealt with in our early years. So it's a total miracle. Just this week, I was asked by someone with a large podcast audience to get on and if we'd be willing to share our testimony. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like I honestly don't talk about this publicly, only with church family. I've mentioned this twice. I would share it with anybody, but I'm not looking to create a following or anything like that. It's just, it's a simple miracle of how God worked in our lives. And so here I am getting ready to share it this week, and I get a call from somebody that said, would you be willing to share, you know, the the raw elements of this testimony with our, you know, audience? It's not like, oh, I don't know. I'm actually praying about it. I don't know what we're going to do. But it's just—it was the Lord just confirming, like you need to share this, you need to talk about it. You know, we all have those areas of our life, whatever that looks like for you. Know that God knows and He knows where you're at, and He cares. And you just keep moving in the best direction you can toward whatever that problem is. The suddenly will happen. The suddenly will happen if you don't lose heart, and if your guys' hearts stay connected and stay moving towards it. You don't have to know all the answers. We just have to have hearts that are open and then be ready. Um, We serve a God that is supernatural. We cannot forget. I actually remember years ago in this church, we had someone who gave a prophetic word over joy. I think this was in the early 2000s that said, young lady, it's too early for you to be disappointed about things that haven't happened yet. And that was maybe just a few years into our marriage. I mean, it was such a real thing. And we both knew when that was spoken what that was talking about. Um, I mean, that just gives you the... And then we had a word another time that there was a season where they said, you guys have been serving in church, you've been leading for so many years... You know, this was early on our marriage. They're like, You need to now for a season take your life out of public view because God wanted to work on some things. And I almost get emotional just talking about that because I remember that so vividly. And we did for a period of time. It was like, Okay, we have all this gifting, all this stuff, and all that, you know, but God, it's more important that we kind of step off to the side, let you do your work in us. So if you've ever felt yourself in that season, uh, maybe it's been imposed on you by the Lord. Sometimes the Lord can move us off to the side. Know that it's for your good, you know, that it's, you're not being punished. But it's the Lord wants to work in you more than you even want him to work in you. So the kingdom of God is moving. And when we are aligning our hearts with heaven, we're going to find ourselves caught up in what he's doing, Right? So align your hearts with heaven in these days. Be like, I don't care what it looks like. I'm 41 years old. I have not arrived. I'm going after more and more and more of what God has. You know, God, and here's the thing, and I'm just going to say a few statements. If you have ears to hear, you will hear, God is accelerating his purposes here at New Hope. God is accelerating his purposes. These are exciting times and you, you have to have spiritual eyes to see this, and you have to have spiritual ears to hear. But if you can hear what God is doing, if you can see what he's doing, God is accelerating his purposes. And because he's doing that for this church, it means he's doing it for you. He wants to do it for you because it's not about this building. It's about the people who call New Hope. This is our family. So you're grafted into those purposes of God. So what does that look like for each one of us? I know some of the friends that I am around in this place that have had their hearts aligned toward heaven, that I see growth in their lives. I see growth in people's lives. I see you growing after God. I see God invading those hidden areas of our lives, and he's bringing things out of darkness and into light. And it's the purpose that we can grow and that we can ultimately impact more people for the kingdom. If we want to bring others into freedom, we need to be free ourselves. So there is, um, there's a grace for advancement in this time. When God pours out a grace, it's going to be easy, right? It's going to be easier. But there's a grace for advancement in this time. There's a grace being poured out for breakthrough. We just need to we need to posture ourselves toward heaven and be open and be ready. We need open arms to receive and then be ready to respond in faith to what he's doing. It's, it looks like this. It says, here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Here I am, Lord, I don't understand it all. Here I am, Lord, I don't understand exactly why I am in the place that I am in, but I'm ready. Here I am, Lord, I'm ready to serve you. Here I am, Lord, I lay everything else down. I lay down disappointment. I lay down whatever offense. Here I am, I'm ready. Here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Um, I want to call up the worship team at this point. And even if the ushers, if you guys can get ready, I'd like to hand out something we're going to talk about for next week. I'm saying some of this, too, is a lead-up for next week. Next week is what we call Breakthrough Sunday. And if you're new here, we started this a few years ago. We committed it as a church that we were going to be a people that don't just talk about it, but we believe it. And in the beginning of every year, We want to start the year off with a theme of breakthrough, with a theme of faith, so that it stirs us up, right? How many need to be stirred up from some time to time? I know I do, yeah? (laughs) Come on. So we do this next week. It's called Breakthrough Sunday. We come together as a church family. There's a few different components to it. But what I'm asking us to do for next week is three things. And if you guys want to start to hand out just those cards... I'll keep talking while we're doing it. The first thing to do that I'm going to ask is that you pray, right? That anything we do is that we can pray. And Sarah, I think you can move it to the next slide. The second thing is, and we're going to pass this out, you're going to see this, write down what you are believing God for breakthrough in. You know, God said ask, And we're going to ask, and we're going to put some stuff down that we're believing to see breakthrough in. There might be an area of your life. It might be related to your job. It might be related to finances. It might be related to your marriage or relationships. Whatever it is, put it out before the Lord. He already knows. (laughs) So just be honest. He knows. And then the third thing and this component is something to stretch us ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in giving we're asking everybody to consider this we're believing God for a hundred percent participation and we're gonna be generous here and I've been asked why include a financial component to this because you know why because money reveals the deepest needs of the heart. money reveals the deepest issues in our heart and in our life How we respond with money it just does you know it's like god's heart for us is that we would be generous people that we don't just you know think about our own lives and we don't advance money towards the kingdom of what god wants to do because it takes resources so we're going to be thinking big prayers we're going to put feet to our prayers and we're going to believe the lord and we're going to sow next week we're going to do this together we're going to have a whole separate offering it'll be after our normal one this is above and beyond our normal giving we're going to think big and say god what am i believing for this year i'm going to sew into it and i'm going to sew into it generously i'm not just going to put 20 bucks in but i'm going to i want to move myself so that it moves you Bill Johnson says, if your prayers don't move you, it certainly won't move God. (laughs) So we want to move God in our giving. We want to move him in our prayers. We want to move him with our faith. First, we have to move ourselves. So it might feel a little bit uncomfortable, and it's supposed to be. So that is what we're going to do. So we're passing those out, so you can take those home this week. You can pray. We'll talk about it again next week and we'll bring everybody through this a little bit next week. Then we're going to have a time at the end of the message where we come up for prayer and we put these envelopes in like we do and we're going to get a chance I'm going to get a chance to pray over you. The leadership team, the whole point of you writing that out is mostly for you, but also so the leaders can be praying with you. I was asking the Lord a few years ago, Lord, how can I connect more with the needs of the body? I want to know what is out so that we can be praying for you. And this was one of the ways God said to do it. So, again, God already knows our needs. So be honest. And if it's something super personal, you don't have to write it down. You know, we're not asking you to divulge super personal information. Write down what God shows you, you know. And then we're going to give. We're going to be generous. Uh, we have no problem going out in tax time and buying a new $800 TV. But we're going to say this year that we're going to prioritize that this is more important that we're going to sow in in this way okay we're going to be generous so if you'd stand with us I just want us to really close uh, I just saw us singing this song closing this time out going into the next week in a posture of prayer aligning our hearts towards heaven um, so just stand we're going to sing this here's the thing God is moving there's an acceleration happening the last thing that we want to be doing is sitting on the sidelines watching what he's doing There's a grace being poured out in this time. So grab hold of it. Let's sing this together and worship in this. Bless you, God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcast.